If your restaurant has slow bathroom drains and grease blockages, call Superior Plumbing and Pipelining. Superior Plumbing and Pipelining's high-pressure sewer jetting and camera inspection of the drains will assure your peace of mind at your restaurant. Request a free estimate at superiorplumbingjacks.com. Welcome to You Decide 2023, the race for Jacksonville Mayor. This is a special edition of Jacksonville's Morning News on 104.5 WOKV. Live from the Farrah and Farrah Performance Studio, here's Rich Jones and April Davis. Believe it or not, early voting gets underway in Duval County Monday. And already early uh, ballots have been returned, vote by mail ballots, upwards of 3% voter turnout in Duval County already ahead of this really pivotal race for Jacksonville mayor and other races. Don't get me wrong. We've been profiling the race for Jacksonville mayor because of the seven named competitors who are going to be on your ballot. There is an eighth uh, qualified candidate who is a write-in as well. Uh, and seeing a change in Jacksonville for the first time in eight years following Mayor Lenny Curry's leadership. Welcome in to the Fair and Farrah Performance Studio. We're streaming live on YouTube and Facebook and on 104.5 FM. And on your smart speakers, say play WOKV Radio. You can always listen in to Jacksonville's most influential radio station on 104.5 FM. Rich Jones, April Davis. We were just saying off uh, mic, this is the seventh one of these that we've done. But the goal here has been focused on getting to know each and every one of the candidates, what makes them tick, where they stand on the issues in one of the most intimate ways that we can on radio, which is more of a conversation. This isn't debate. This is about getting to know the candidates and what makes them tick. 100%. It gives us a nice uh, longer format instead of our five-second sound bites <laughs> that uh, usually you get uh, during campaign season. And so we're happy to have you, Leanna Cumber here as a city council member, uh, also a Republican, and you, read, you represent a district that includes San Marco, where you live with your family and husband and two children, and we don't want to forget about your dog, the Black Lab. Well, we actually have two pugs oh now. Oh my goodness. Two pugs now. Yes. Secret times of change. Times of change. Secret okay. Agent Pug and Ozark. Okay. I have a fur baby, so I always include the fur babies in the family. Um, you were a teacher at one point, you're an attorney, uh, lived in D.C. for a while, worked in the U.S. Senate. Uh, describing yourself as a successful Cuban-American small business owner and political outsider uh, and served on several boards here in Jacksonville, including Kids Hope Alliance, Jacksonville Zoo, Theater, Jacksonville, and the Kummer Museum. So I've been very involved, obviously, here in our city. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. There's a lot of weighty issues. And as you look at the, the years of service and what you've dedicated in your time and, and attention, and you look at the bigger picture of what the Jacksonville mayor is responsible for and sitting on the city council now you're aware of the issues that we have the budgets and uh, uh, crime issues in mm -hmm. Jacksonville you wake up in the morning you look in the mirror when you look at yourself why do you want to be Jacksonville mayor yeah so thanks for asking that and thanks again for having me this city is the most unique city in the country we are in the best state in the country, thanks to our governor. We're at the top of the state, which makes us really attractive to businesses because they, we can do day trips to New York, Boston, so forth. We are the only city between Richmond and Miami that I-95 runs through. So people have to come here. And we've got you know three freight railroads, two major highways, and a deep water port. And we're incredibly international with a million people now. We have the perfect city, yet people continually talk about the potential we have. And we've had potential for decades and decades. And so to me, it's very exciting to be able to break through, finally break through that potential and have everyone in the country refer to us as a city of greatness. 
And so is there any uh, development project that you would prioritize? I mean, I know, so you're saying we're already there uh, or, or, or that we need S to do more? Well, so what I would say is we have all the tools and we have all the pieces to get there, and but we've got to put those pieces together. So we have to, part of that is addressing, obviously addressing our very high crime rate, our low education, um, literacy rates, and our infrastructure. As far as one thing that makes all those things happen, there isn't going to be one thing, but one of the things that we've missed out on is really activating the riverfront downtown and really building up the core. And if you look at other cities throughout the state, you know, part of how they have built up their downtowns and built up their um, areas has to really build up that water, the riverfront. It provides very high paying jobs. But in order for people to boat up downtown, you also need to give them somewhere to go. You need to give them restaurants, you need to give them family friendly, friendly things. And those are the things that we've missed out on. And those are, that's why we've, you know, kind of been the city of potential, 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 but that's not the end goal. We need to finally realize that potential. Up and down the North Bank, we have projects that are in the process of development. So the old landing site is green space now, but in the process of development. Uh, farther uh, down the, the, the river front, where we see the uh, old Met Park and we see the development, which could potentially be Four Seasons or whatever it would be, the old shipyards. Which one of those do you prioritize? Could there be more of an accelerated effort? And what role does the mayor play in that ultimately? So I think that just, you know, if you look at the development that is kind of going through the process on the landing site, we only got one bid for that. And if you think about that, that we have some of the most objectionably valuable riverfront land and land in the country. And when we're getting one bid, what we need to do is really figure out why. And so we should pull things back and figure out what is it. I mean, our, obviously our permitting system, particularly downtown, it's the most difficult place to develop. So people have millions of dollars added to their projects and you know River City Brewing Project just fell apart. And the there are other development projects that are in the process of being renegotiated and so forth. So what we really need to do is focus on one, make it easier, not harder to develop downtown and also to bring in small businesses. So that because really what's going to make our downtown flourish are the businesses, the restaurants, the small businesses, the, if you look at a Charleston, Charleston doesn't have a lot of skyscraper apartments in their urban area. Savannah doesn't either. What they have are walkable areas for people to come to. And so we keep hearing the permitting process is a problem here in Jacksonville. So as mayor, what would you do about that? Yeah, well, and that's what's exciting about the the way our system works here. We have a very strong mayoral system. It's a true executive. And so the permitting process needs to be revamped from top to bottom. It is people from outside the city see how difficult it is and just choose not to invest because it's so difficult. If you look at cities like Tampa, like Charlotte, you know, kind of you name it, the first thing they did before they were able to really revamp was to fix the permitting, to make it smoother. Because every day that people don't have their projects permitted, they lose money. And I have a strong business background in infrastructure and understand that you can't just continually put a project on hold waiting for the government to catch up. 
So then what specific changes do you implement within the building code department? Is it increasing staff? Is it privatization? What does it look like in the first several months of a Cumber administration? Yeah, so it's a lot of it is making sure that the bureaucracy, we need to actually lift the code and lift the regulations to look at how do we streamline the bureaucracy? first and how do we make sure because if you streamline it then people will be people in the office will be more efficient and how do we go back to a situation where go to a situation where if you have a renovation permit you can walk in and walk out with it that day to make sure that people are sticking with deadlines and and that leadership really comes from the top and the accountability really comes from the top one, sticking with downtown for one moment, and, and it was a really relevant thing because yesterday I picked up my bib and the, the running packet for the yeah. Gate River Run, and as I was uh, kind of tooling around in the downtown area, went over the overpass and kind of tucked away behind uh, Maxwell House is the, is the jail. And I'm going over the flyover, and I'm just thinking to myself in that moment, like, you got people who are waiting trial there, pretrial detention facility, and I live here, but if I'm an out-of-towner coming in for the Gate River Run, I'm going to pick up my bib, I'm going past the jail. Does the jail need to move, relocate from downtown? Is there a change you would make, and how quickly would you make it, in order for that part of downtown to flourish? So a couple things on that. One, we need to, we have a lot of land downtown where things are not flourishing. And so we need to focus on making sure that we are creating that infill and building the kind of core of downtown that everyone thinks of from you know James Weldon Johnson and down to the river and then the riverfront. And as far as the jail, there does need to be a new jail built. And, but if you take it out, you also have a about 14 acre hole. So we need to make sure that we know what's gonna go in there right after. And also, it's about a six to eight year process to build a new jail. And so when people, people are building new facilities, Detroit is building a new facility very similar to ours where their jail was right in the middle of downtown. And what they did was they actually built up the downtown around it. So then they entered into a public-private partnership with one of the heavy investors in the city who put in $300 million, the city put in $300 million, and now they're getting a new jail. So one thing, we need to make downtown land valuable so that we're not paying $400 million of taxpayer funds, but also it's a process, that whole process needs to start because it is a six to eight year process to build out a master plan and so forth. So if we don't start it now, then we're just gonna continually kind of kick it down the road. Yeah, and hopefully we won't need a bigger jail because I know crime is something we're fighting here in Jacksonville. And do you think that JSO is properly funded? Do you think we need more officers? Do you think that what could we do as far as fighting crime in Jacksonville that you could implement as mayor? Yeah, we definitely need more officers on the street. We need, we are down, whether it's corrections officers, but we have, there's about 350 empty slots at the sheriff's office between corrections officers and you know, kind of boots on the ground. But the other thing we need to do is really look at crime in a proactive way. And it's something that I've been really focused on. And actually just Monday, the uh, uh, federal court just ruled that my stripping bill that raised the stripping age here in Jacksonville is constitutional. And so things, doing things like that and passing bills like that, that really kind of goes after the underlying 
criminal element where you have a lot of human trafficking going on. And so now the strip clubs are further regulated and we've also raised the age to 21. And so you know, I'm hope, hoping and confident that the sheriff will immediately start enforcing that law because it's a law of the land now. And so we need to think, I also created a nuisance abatement board, which for the first time allows the city to hold people accountable who are harboring illegal activity at their businesses, who are turning a blind eye or allowing it to happen. Those are the things we need to do as well as make sure that the sheriff's office has all of the resources that it needs as well. So let's assume that you could snap your fingers and the 350 vacancies are filled. If those are filled, do we need even more officers? Do you anticipate putting forward a budget? And that budget process for whomever is the next mayor comes right away. Does that budget include more spending for more officers at JSO? Well, I would absolutely work with the sheriff because as an elected sheriff, he knows his department best. I think the first thing to do is to make sure that the slots that are empty are filled and then to work on the things, again, the things that the city can do to help make communities better and help reduce crime. And so it's not just the aspects that I mentioned, the tra- human trafficking and the strip clubs, and the, but also education as well is, is key to helping reduce crime. We talk a lot about the education needs, infrastructure, neighborhood investment as well. And as we dive deeper into those in our next uh, opportunity to talk with uh, Jacksonville mayoral candidate Leanna Cumber, April and I will have a chance to ask some of those questions. If you live in Arlington or through Moncrief or in Southside, the investments that you anticipate seeing under a Cumber administration should Leanna Cumber be successful. We'll dive into that part of the story next as our spotlight on the Jacksonville mayoral race continues on 104.5 FM. Back to more of You Decide 2023, the race for Jacksonville mayor. Our special edition of Jacksonville's Morning News continues on 104.5 WOKV. Let's return to the Farah and Farah Performance Studio. Here's Rich Jones and April Davis. We've been thankful to each of the mayoral candidates for taking time out of a very busy schedule. Everyone has a job, and part of that job also then is working to get the next job, which is to be Jacksonville's next mayor. And so pounding the pavement and being out, knocking on doors, doing neighborhood events, forums and the like, breakfast events and all these, and we have had every one of the candidates who you will choose from on March 21st, or if you're going to be voting early, as early as Monday, coming into the Fair and Fairer Performance Studio, and we appreciate Leanna Cumber coming in and rounding out the mayoral spotlight series. Rich Jones, April Davison, we were just talking off air about some of the uh, issues related to pension and liabilities and mm-hmm. attracting law enforcement and first responders to a city like ours. There's a lot of weighty issues in Jacksonville for whomever is going to be the next mayor of Jacksonville, April. A hundred percent. We've already talked about a little bit about why you want to be mayor, but we'll talk about infrastructure now. And a lot of, uh, I'm fairly new to Jacksonville, and one of the things I hear about all the time, besides go Jags, is (laughs) (laughs) septic tanks. It's a big deal here. So is there anything um, improvements-wise for neighborhoods other than maybe septic tanks is on the list? But, uh, you know, a lot of communities, it seems like, haven't caught up with others. It seems like it's very hit or miss when you drive around Jacksonville. Right, yes, and septic tanks are one of the many basic infrastructure needs that we have in the city. And, you know, I have a 21-year history working in transportation and infrastructure, and for the last 11 years have worked, have my own company, and finance infrastructure projects all over the country. 
So one of the things that is a really like a hallmark of why I'm running is that we really, local government needs to get back in our lane. And so when we're looking at infrastructure dollars and how we spend those dollars and what we do, we really need to look at the basics. Sidewalks, roads, sewer, drainage, lighting. These are the things that make communities viable and they give you a high quality of life. And so we need to be spending and building playgrounds. I have a nine and 11 year old. Building up playgrounds to make them attractive to children and to parents is really important for a high quality of life. So we really need to be focusing on those things and spending our dollars and leveraging our dollars with state and local or state and federal funds, which is what I do for a living. But rather than spending $500 million on the Skyway downtown, and it's one of the reasons why I continue to highlight that. When the gas tax was doubled, and I fought against doubling the gas tax because we were getting $343 million in COVID money at the same time, and I saw no need to make it more difficult for people, especially people who are living paycheck to paycheck, which is how I grew up, to make it more difficult for them to live, we really need to refocus. And the septic tanks are one of those one of those key pieces, and actually I tried to create a trust fund with some of those COVID dollars to put in for septic tank removal. And so, but it's one piece of a lot of, I mean, you know, you look at the potholes around the city, you look at the broken sidewalks. Those are things that are solely city government functions that we need to get back to doing. Can you prioritize one area of town that might need a larger investment or a more immediate investment upon your first couple of months in office if you're elected? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we we need to focus on our core. We need to, what we've become is kind of a city of suburbs and a city of, and so we need to make sure that the potholes and that we kind of map it all out and the potholes everywhere, because whether you're at the beach, whether you're down in Mandarin or on the west side, everyone's dealing with these issues. So we need to make sure we're addressing those. And then we also need to look at our core and make sure that if we really want investment in our downtown and in the surrounding neighborhoods, that we build up that infrastructure as well because you know businesses are not going to want to go where the infrastructure is bad. And crime follows, there's a definite nexus between you know, streetlights in crime. So these are the things that we really need to focus on. So I think it's twofold, you know, focusing on the basics throughout the county because everyone has those issues and then also refocusing on the core and making sure that we leverage federal money and state money to help do that. And so we'd be remiss not to ask you, of course, we have to have utilities to have the city running. And I know JEA has been um, a, a buzzword in your life. Uh, we know that the CFO and CEO have uh, ha are under criminal investigation and we'll see how th those charges pan out. Um, there's an investigation involving uh, your husband and uh, that's a city council thing and we, we got to give you a chance to talk about that um, and would you ever uh, pledge not to seek privatization of JEA? Well, I definitely would pledge that and have pledged that. And I'm glad you asked the, because what I think people need to understand is what's happening is in this city is that the mayor's office and a few folks on city council and um, my opponent, Daniel, have weaponized government against a political opponent, which is why everything that has been sent, every everything that started this um, 
you know, sham investigation and what some people have called a witch hunt, even the head of the JEA union, was started by Daniel Davis's own political committee and own campaign. And so it is, I am the only person in the race, I am the only person on council who's ever worked for a federal law enforcement agency. I have always fully complied and as has my husband and we have both done things for the city throughout our time that have been volunteer, whether it's on the boards that you cited, the volunteer work that he's cited. And so what's critical to know is he and I both have worked hard to make sure that JEA stays a municipal owned utility, but that this was completely fabricated by, and it's evidenced by the person sending all the information is Daniel's own communications director. So it's, and I think people really need to think about that because people outside of the city are not gonna wanna invest in this city if they think it's closed, which is why a lot of people don't invest and they've, they're waiting to invest to have the city open up and not be controlled by a few people. Or if they think that government is going to come after them and that everyone is going to turn a blind eye to that. So I think that people should be very concerned about, and I'm, you know, and I, the support that I've gotten from Councilmember DeFore and Councilmember Priestley Jackson in saying that this is exactly what it is, and the head of the JEA union. I mean, all of that should tell people, that should tell people a lot about how much the other side wants to hold on to power, not because not because they want to actually do something good for the city. A UNF poll out this week showed 31% or so of uh, registered Republicans still undecided. So for undecided voters, as we wrap up this conversation, we wish that we always had more time. How can they learn more about Leanna Cumber? So you can go to my website, leannaformayor.com. We're also putting out little kind of vignettes and discussions with my good friend Keisha King and really talking about, you know, we didn't get a chance to get into it, but being a former teacher, talking about education and talking about our 47% literacy rates and how we've got to get that under control. So, you know, it's exciting to know that the election is in a couple of weeks and the people of Jacksonville have a decision to make on whether they want to continue on with what has been going on over the last eight years and over the last few decades of never reaching this potential or whether they truly want change and good change for the city and conservative change that gets this city. We are the largest city in the state of Florida by population, 12th largest in the country, and we really need to start shining. We appreciate Leanna Cumber coming in, all the other candidates. Thank April, thank you so much. Thanks to Farron Farah for hosting us in the performance studio as well. Early voting begins Monday. You can see all of our prior conversations in the voter guide at WOKB.com. And we'll continue to follow the race for Jacksonville mayor throughout the next several weeks on 104.5 WOKB. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.